This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavuashir. This year, Tavshin Ayn, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Pashat B'Shalach, I would like to discuss a small parsha found at the end of B'Shalach, the story of the war with Amalek. Perkid Zayin, Pasukhet, the Torah tells us as follows. Amalek came and they warred with Am Yisrael, with the Jewish people, at Rafidim. Of course, next Pasuk, Moshe said to Yoshua, Choose for us men, go out and fight war against Amalek. And Moshe continues on, not just the choice of warriors, but another plan to counter the attack by Amalek. Moshe says, On the morrow, the next morning, I will stand upon the top of the hill, upon the overlooking rise, with the staff of God in my hand. Of course, the Torah goes on. Uh, it explains to us what is the purpose of this Mate'elokim, of the staff of God that Moshe takes with him up on to the mountain. Um, as the war goes on beneath, we are told that Moshe, along with Aaron and Hor, at the top of the mountain, look up, and the Torah tells us, look down, the Torah tells us in Parak Yud Zayin, Pasuk Yud Aleph, Moshe Yado, Yisrael, as Moshe would raise up his hand, then Gavai Yisrael, Israel would be victorious, and as Moshe would lower his hands, Amalek would be victorious. But of course there's a problem. Yedei Moshe Kvedim, the hands of Moshe were heavy. So what was done? The Torah goes on to describe that a stone uh, was taken. It was propped under Moshe's arms. Moshe's arms were held up. And Aaron uh, gripped one of Moshe's arms on this side. And Hor gripped the other of Moshe's arms on the other side. And Moshe's hands were held up. And eventually, uh, the way the story apparently ends, with Moshe's hands propped up in the sky, by Achalosh Yoshua et Amalek and Yeshua defeated or weakened uh, Amalek and his people by the sword. This, of course, is the story of Muhammad Amalek, the war against Amalek, found here at the end of Parshat B'Shalach. What I would like to concentrate on um, is a question perhaps not often discussed. I believe a question that arises from the very first Pasuk of the story, from Perak Yedzayin, Pasuk Chet itself. We're told there, The Torah goes out of its way to tell us, or to define the place, define the context of the war or the attack by Amalek. It happens at Rifidim. Now, interestingly enough, uh, something else has already happened at Rifidim. Uh, the preceding parsha in the Torah, or the preceding segment in the Torah, describes other events uh, that happened at Rifidim. And I believe they stand in a kind of interesting connection to our story, the story of Nilchemet Amalek. Let's go back to the moment, for the moment, to Perik Yud Zayin, Pasuk Aleph. Perik Yud Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, tells us as follows, And the Bnei Yisrael traveled from Midbar Sin upon their travels, upon their journeys, Al Hashem, by the word of God, They came to Rafidim. So Am Yisrael, the people of Israel, have already been in Rafidim, and what happened there? The Torah tells us at the end of that Pasuk Yud Zayin Aleph, There is no water, for the people to drink. And the people strove with Moshe. Give us water and we will drink. So Moshe rebuked the people for striving with him and said, Why do you strive with me? Why do you test God? Of course, 
as the story goes on, Moshe cries out to God, and eventually um, God informs Moshe as to what the resolution of the problem, what the resolution of the crisis at Rifidim is going to be. In Berkit Zayin Pasuk Hey, we're told as follows. Vayomer Hashem el Moshe, God said to Moshe, Avor lefne'am, pass in front of the people, v'kach itcha mizikney Yisrael, umatcha asher hekita bo etayar, kach biatcha v'halachta. And the staff, the stick, the mateh, which you smote the river with, take in your hands and go. And we know how the story or how the crisis, the complaint of the people for water at Rifidim is resolved. Moshe is told to hit the rock with the stick. And when Moshe hits the rock with the stick, um, water comes out, the crisis is resolved, and eventually the name gets a place, which is important for us. The name of that place where Moshe hit the rock with the stick and the crisis resolved was called Masa Umriva. Why this name? Al-Riv B'nai Yisrael, because of the striving of B'nai Yisrael with Moshe and God, hence the name Meriva. Va'al Nasotam et Hashem, and because of their testing of God, hence the word term Masa. Limor Hayesh Hashem because they tested God, questioning whether God was amidst them or not. Now, what we should realize here is that there's a very interesting, or perhaps a dual connection, between the story of Masa Umriva on the one hand, the short parsha found at the beginning of Parakid Zion, and uh, the story of Milchemet Amalek, the attack of Amalek and the war against Amalek, the second parsha immediately following found in Parakid Zion. And what is the connection? Well, first of all, both stories happen at Rifidim. Um, they happen at the very same place. And what's connected to this is that the Torah emphasizes this by mentioning the name Rafidim in both uh, cases, and one follows after the other. So the stories are textually and geographically juxtaposed, and there's an interesting connection here. But moreover, both stories of crisis at Rafidim, whether the crisis of the people not having water and testing God, or the crisis of the attack by Amalek, are resolved by the same means. They're both resolved by the mateh. In the first story, Moshe hits the rock with a stick and water comes out and the crisis is resolved. And in the second story, as we already emphasized, Moshe goes up onto the Giv'ah, as we are told in Pasuk Tet, mateh elokim biadi, with the staff of God in his in my hand, or in his hand. And of course, in Pasuk Yud Aleph, Moshe Yisrael, when Moshe raised up his arm, his hand, containing the stick, apparently the Mate Elohim, then Israel was victorious. And the story is resolved, of course, when Moshe's hands are permanently propped up by the stock, by the, by the rock, and by Aaron and Hor, then Israel is victorious. So the Mate Elohim, the Mate is a key element of resolving the crisis at Rafidim in our second story as well. And the question is, what are we to make of this dual parallel, this dual connection uh, between these two, two stories? First, the linguistic connection of Rafidim, the textual and geographic proximity, and secondly, the resolution of both crises by means of the Mate Elokim. And this is the question I would like to discuss primarily in the Shi'or. Now, I'm not the first to raise this question. I think uh, uh, it was already noticed uh, by the Midrash, and there's a famous, well-known Rashi that relates to this issue. I'd like to begin by outlining how Rashi understood the relationship between the two stories, between that of Masam Riva on the one hand, and that of the attack by Amalek, Muhammad Amalek, on the other hand. Rashi um, 
tells us in Parakid Zayin, Chet, as follows. Vayavo Amalek, and Amalek came. Samach parsha zo This parsha of Amalek was put next to this previous pasuk, or this previous incident. Lemor, Lomar, to tell you, Tamid ani umuzuman lekol To tell you that I'm always amidst you and available for all of your needs. Vatem omrim hayesh Hashem im ayin. And you say, is God amidst us? Is he not? By my life or by your lives, this dog will come and bite you, you will cry to me and you will know where I am. Now, in order to understand this comment of Rashi fully, I think we need to, uh, to examine the mashal, the metaphor or the analogy that Rashi presents in the second half of his comment. Continuing on in Rashi, Rashi says as follows, Mashal Adam Shakiv b'no al This might be compared to a person who placed his son upon his shoulders and went out on a journey. And this son would see an object and say, Abba, tol zevetenli. Abba, give me this object. And he would give it to him. And so to a second time and so to a third time. They ran into another man. And then the son riding upon the shoulders of the father who had been supported not once, not twice, not three times, but even more and given and provided for once, twice, three times said to this man, where's my Abba? Have you seen him? Have you seen the provider? His father said to him, you don't know where I am? So he threw him down and a dog came and bit the sun. Well, this is the mashal, the analogy uh, of Rashi. What is the nimshal, or what is meant to be learned here? Well, quite obviously, the ben, who is riding upon the shoulders on the journey, who is being supported by the unseen force, his father, is of course the child, is Am Yisrael. And who is the father, who is providing, who is supporting, not once, not twice, not three times? This, of course, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, And... Who is the dog? Well, the dog is Amalek, is the attack by Amalek. The biting of the dog is the attack by Amalek. And it's when the, it's when the son questions the presence, the existence, the support of the father. The father becomes angry and casts him down. And then the dog comes and attacks uh, the child. This is the mashal and the nimshal. What is Rashi saying about the psukim? Let us go back to the way that the story of Masa Umriva the first story in Parakid Zayin ends. And why is Masam Riva called Masam Riva? Again, Parakid Zayin, Pasuk Zayin says as follows. The name of the place is called Masam Riva, Ariv B'nai Israel, because of the striving of B'nai Israel with God, because they tested God. Is God amidst us or is God not amidst us? They wondered. At this moment, when they did not have water, they now tested God, and they wondered, is He really there? Is He really supporting them? They were unaware of the presence of God. And this act of wondering or testing was a chait, was a sin. In anger, their father abandoned them momentarily. In anger, their father cast them down. In anger, their father made them vulnerable to the attack of the vicious rabid dog, to the attack by Amalek. And this is the next story. And immediately afterwards, the parallel between the two stories, um, the geographic and textual proximity on the one hand and the, and the other markers uh, or the centrality of the Mata in both stories, this connection is meant to indicate that there's a connection of 
chet va'onesh, of sin and punishment between the two stories. The first parasha, Masam Riva, is the sin, wondering about the support of the presence of God. And the second parasha, this attack by Amalek, that is kind of the punishment, uh, the response, being vulnerable to that attack because of the wondering about the presence of God as a support amongst the nation. And this is the interpretation of Rashi, of the relationship between the two stories. Now, as I said earlier, this is, this is well known, and I am not the first to notice the question or the problem of the relationship between the two stories, but I would like to present a, another possibility, and I would like to uh, do this by pointing out that our story, Milchemet um, Amalek, uh, stands in a very interesting relation to another story uh, found here in Parshat Shalach. It stands, so to speak, in connection in parallel, not just to Masam Riva, but in connection and parallel to something else that happens earlier on in Parshat B'Shalach. And to map this out, I would like to take a look again at Shmot Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk and pay key attention um, to the language in this Pasuk and in the following Pasukim uh, at the beginning of the story of Muhammad Amalek. So the Torah says as follows in Yudzayin Ched again. Amalek. And they battled against Israel at Rifidim. Um, and Moshe commanded Yeshua, uh, go out and uh, choose men for us and go out and fight against Amalek, etc. So this, of course, is linguistically and thematically a story of, of war. It's a war story. And the term... Lamed Chet Mem, meaning war, appears twice at the beginning of the story. It, of course, appears another time uh, towards the end uh, of the story, when we are told uh, in kind of the postscript that's added to the story in Perak Yud Zayin, Pasuk uh, Tedvav, Vayomer, and it was said, Ki yad al kes ka milchamal Hashem, uh, the hand of God is upon his throne, God swears, milchamal Hashem ba'amalek midodar, God promises eternal War against Amalek. And that's how Parshat B'Shalach ends in Perak Yudzayin, Pasit Yudzayin. A third usage of Milchama. Again, the notion of Milchama in our story. Now, in fact, there's another story in uh, Parshat B'Shalach that's about war. And what I have in mind is Perak Yudalid. Uh, let us go back to Perak Yudalid, uh, to the moments right before uh, Kriyot Yamsuf. In Perak Yudalid, Pasit Yudgimel, when the people panic um, and complain to Moshe, uh, Moshe says to the people as follows, Moshe la'am, al do not be afraid, hit yatzvu, stand here, stand by, uru'uet Yeshua Tashem, and see the saving, or the, the, the hatzala, the rescue by God, asher yaseh lechem ayom, ki asher yitem et mitzrayim ayom, lo tesif norotem od ad olam, Hashem yilachem lachem, va'atem tachreishon, God will fight for you. God will fight your war. God will battle for you. The exact same word, Lamentchet Mem, meaning war. God will fight for you, Moshe tells the Jewish people. And later on, once the story of Kriyat Yamsuf begins to unfold, even the Mitzrim uh, are aware of the fact that God is battling or God wars for Am Yisrael at Yamsuf. Perak Yudalid Pasikafe uh, tells us as follows, Vayasar Et ofan markvotav vayenageo bichvedut, whatever this means, and then Egypt's reaction, vayomer mitzrayim anusa mipnei Israel, I will flee from Israel, ki Hashem nilcham lahem b'mitzrayim, because God battles or fights for them against Egypt. So we have twice in the story of Kriyat Yamsuf the word 
Milchama Nilcham is used. Um, so we have here another story of Milchama in Pasha uh, Pashal, the story of Kriyat Yamsuf. And interestingly enough, it's not just that there's a linguistic connection uh, of Milchama, uh, Milchama, Lochem, Lochem in both stories, but also thematically, they're both stories of struggle and battle. Struggle against the first nation Mitzrayim and struggle against the second nation Amalek. And moreover, not just linguistically and not just thematically, but also they're both stories of Milchamot Hashem. It's very, very clear that it is God who fights Hashem Yilachem Lachem Ki Hashem Nucham Lachem B'Mitzrayim in the story of Kriyat Yom Suf. And again, likewise, um, by the time we get to the end of the story of Milchamot Amalek in Shemot Perak Yud Zayin, that last pasuk that I read previously, God swears, Vayomer Kiyad Apkes Ka Milchama Lachem Ba'Amalek Midordor. It is the battle of the war of God. So one connection between the story of Muhammad Amalek on the one hand at the end of Parshat B'Shalach and the story of Kriyat Yam Suf, kind of in Parakyu Dalet, the centerpiece of Parshat B'Shalach, one connection to the idea of Milchama and the battle of God. Now, there are other connections um, between the two stories as well. A second parallel between the two stories. If we go to the moment, for a moment, to Parakyu Zayin, Pasuk Tet. Uh, the central symbol, or one of the central symbols of the story of Muhammad Amalek. Um, Moshe says to Yeshua, Moshe is going to take the, the staff of God in his hand. Um, now, what is this mate? Well, the mate, of course, appears in the story of Perak Yudalid as well. If we go back to Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Tetzayin, Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Tetzayin says as follows. Um, God says to Moshe, instructing him how to split the Yamsuf, Take your staff uh, and stretch out your hand upon the sea and split it. So the mate is also central in the story of Kriyat Yamsuf. And again in Parakidal Moshe stretches out um, his hand with the staff in it and um, Egypt is drowned. So again, the idea of the mate and the yad is central in both stories. Um, and so we have a second parallel, not just one, the milchama uh, and the milchama Hashem, but two, the yad and the mate. Three, uh, another uh, parallel. This one more of a linguistic parallel. Interestingly enough, a lot of the, the language of the story of Kriyat Yamsuf seems to repeat itself in the story of Milchemet Amalek uh, in a funny kind of strange way. Going back again to Parakid Zayin, Pasuk Tet. I will stand, The idea of standing is prominent in the story of Parakid Zayin, Parak Amalek. But likewise, in Perak Yudalid, going back to Perak Yudalid, Pasuk Yudgimu, Vayom Moshalam, Al-Torahit Katsvu, Urbot Yeshua, to stand. The same kind of verb. They're both stories of standing. Another key term in the story of Nochemet Amalek. We're told in Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk Bet, Videi Moshe Kfedim, the hands of Moshe were heavy. It's a story of heaviness. But the idea of Kaved, or heaviness, is of course essential in Kriyat Yamsuf as well. In Perak Yudalid, Pasuk, uh, Yud were told as follows, I will strengthen the heart of Mitzrayim and they will come after and I will go heavy, heaviness against Paro. And all his army, and Egypt will know I'm God. When I go heavy against Paro and his Rechab and his Fashav. And again, 
In Perikudal Pasakafe, Vayasar, Ofen Markovotav, Vayanagel Bichvedut, and it went heavy, or God went heavy against Egypt, and the heaviness, that's a prominent symbol in Kirit Yamsuf, comes back here as the heaviness of Moshe's hands, Ide Moshe Kvedim, in Perikudal Pasakibet, and this is a fourth parallel between the two stories. And one other very funny usage of terminology in the story of Muhammad um, Amalek. In Perikudal Pasakibet, we're told as follows. Moshe hands were heavy. They took a stone, and they put it underneath his arms. He sat on it. Well, Moshe probably sat on the stone, and therefore Aaron and Chor could grasp his arms. In some ways, his arms were propped up. Um, and we're told then in Paragidzayin Pasuk Bet, yadav emuna adbo hashamesh. His hands were in emuna. Now, all of the Mepharshim, Rashbam, Ibn Ezra, and others explain to us that Emunah here has the meaning of something that is steadfast, that is solid, that is stuck in place, that is reliable, like a yeted ne'eman, like a fast peg. So Moshe's hands were held in place in a steadfast fashion, and then the hands being held up, the battle was won. But fascinatingly enough, the usage of the term emunah here echoes a key term in the entire story of Kriyat Yamsuf. You go back for the moment to Perak Yudalit, Pasuk Lamed Aleph. Um, we're told there, Vayar Yisrael etayad ha-gedola asher asa Hashem b'mitzrayim and Israel saw the great hand that God had done in Mitzrayim. Vayiru amet Hashem and the people feared God Ve'aminu b'ashem uv'moshe avdo. And they believed. Ve'aminu b'ashem, they believed in God, Moshe avdo. The great miracle of Kriyat Yamsuf culminates in the concept of vaya'aminu, emunah, belief, trust, etc. And this very same kind of language comes back to us, and this, I believe, is our sixth, uh, our fifth parallel between the two stories, here in the story of Muhammad Amalek, another echo of Kriyat Yamsuf. Now, although the words mean different things, one meaning belief, and the other meaning steadfast, or rock-solid, or sturdy, they're of course in some sense connected, because one's belief in God should be something steadfast, loyal, fast, um, reliable, etc. So, Emunah and Emunah are connected. And there is some sort of obvious, more than linguistic connection here between the two stories. And this is our fifth parallel. Now, to review, we have Milchama and Milchama Hashem. Two, we have the idea of the Mateh held in the Yad being central in each story and being the agent of saving in both stories. Not emphasized earlier. In Parak Yudalit, it splits the Amsuf and creates the Hatzalah. And in Parak Zion, it of course helps to win the war. Three, a uh, linguistic connection in both the stories of Nitzav and Hityatsvu. Four, the idea of the Kvedim, the heaviness in both stories is a central motif. Five, the notion of Emunah in both stories. And we get now to the last and most important and in some sense um, most obvious parallel between the two stories. The word Yad. As we well remember in Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph, we're told this was, Moshe Yado, Yisrael. It was as Moshe lifted up his hands, then, he, then Israel was victorious. 
When he put his hands down, the Gavar Amalek, and then Amalek was victorious. Vide Moshe, Kvedim, Moshe's hands were heavy. Right here in the space of these two Psukim Perkidzai and Pasukid Al Bet, we have the notion Yad three times. Well, in fact, if we would work through the entire story, Shmot Perkidzai and Pasukhet, through Pasuk Tetzayan, including that postscript which reads, Kiyad al the hand of God is upon his throne, which is kind of a Lashon Shvua, the term Yad appears seven times in the story of Milchemet Amalek. It is, of course, the key motif of the story, the agent by which everything happens in the story of Milchemet Amalek. The term Yad appears seven times. Well, if we go back for the moment to the story of Kriyat Yamsuf, even memory alone can remind us that Yad appears uh, a few times throughout the story of Kriyat Yamsuf. Take, for example, Perak Yudalit, Pasuk Tet Zayin, where God instructs Moshe, Va'ata harem et matcha, unitei et yadcha al hayam, take up your stick and stretch out your hand or your arm upon the sea. So Yad appears in the story of Kriyat Yamsuf as well. Again, in Yudalit Yam, stick out your hand upon the waters and bring them back upon the Egyptians. So as pointed out previously, the Hatzalah, the rescue, the resolution, happens through the means of the Yad. And finally, in the very end of the story, in Perak Yudalit Pasuk Lamed Aleph, Israel saw the great hand which God had done in Mitzrayim, so is the hand of God they saw at Yamsuf. And, not surprisingly, if one would count throughout the entire story of Kriyat Yamsuf, from its beginnings in Perakidalad Pasuk Aleph, through its end in Perakidalad Pasuk Laman Aleph, the term Yad appears seven times. So the sixth parallel between the two stories is that the word Yad as the agent of Hatzalah, appears seven times in both stories. And there's something even deeper here, which I think might be the meaning uh, on some level of the entire parallel between the two stories, between the story of Kriyat Yamsuf on the one hand and our second story of Muhammad Amalek on the other hand. Going back to Kriyat Yamsuf, we're told at the end, That hand of Moshe which was stretched out over the sea, which held the Mateh, which brought, which saved uh, Am Yisrael from Egypt, which won the war against Egypt, that hand of Moshe is really just a kind of echo or a manifestation of the great Yad Hashem. It is the, the microcosm, the means by which the Yad Hashem works in the world. And as such, it is symbolic of the power of God, of the Yad Hashem. It's really the Yad Hashem, of course, that brings about Tatzalah and the war against Mitzrayim. And I think part of the meaning of the parallel is that so too in Milchemat Amalek, that Yad of Moshe that makes the war, where the war rises or falls based on what position Moshe is holding his hand in, that Yad is also the microcosm, the manifestation, the echo, the this world presence or symbol of that same Yad Hashem mentioned at the end of the story in the postscript in Paragizayin, Pasuk, Tetzayin, Vayomer, Kiyad, Alkes, Ka, God's hand. It's about God's hand. Moshe's hand raising or lowering on the mountain is on some level symbolic of God's hand, which uh, is really the, the vehicle by which the war is won. And this is the parallel between the two stories and the meaning between the two stories.
uh, meaning of the connection between the two stories. Now, the question becomes, how does all of this, interesting as it may be, help us with our, with our original problem? Because our original problem wasn't the question of the connection between Mohammed Amalek, called story two, on the one hand, and Sipur Yitziat and Kriyat Yamsuf, called story three, for the moment, on the other hand. Our original question was the issue of the connection, of the parallel, between story one, Masal Muriva, the story of complaint for water and the hitting of the rock and the bringing forth of water on the one hand, and our story too, the story of Milchamet Amalek. Um, so, how does this help us, if at all? I think the answer is it does help us um, in a deep fashion, because it leads us perhaps uh, to a slightly different understanding of the story of Milchamet Amalek. And I would like to bring this forth by pointing to a very important distinction between the story of Kriyat Yamsef on the one hand and the story of Muhammad Amalek on the other hand, one which I think is emphasized by a comment uh, of Rashbam. Uh, it's well known, uh, the famed question of Chazal found in the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah regarding our story of Muhammad Amalek. And the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah, per Gimel, Mishnah Chet asks, Vayakashe Yerim Moshe Yadav V'Gavai Yisrael V'Gomer V'Chiyadam Shemoshe Osot Muhammad do the hands of Moshe make or break war? Does this make any sense? And this, of course, is the classic question asked by the Gemara, um, asked by the Mishnah, asked by many of the Farshim. In what sense uh, do Moshe's hands affect the battle here on earth? Um, now, one approach is the approach I outlined in this shiur, that uh, the hands are in some sense the manifestation or the symbol of the Yad Hashem. And it is, of course, really Yad Hashem that makes and wins the war. Um, but it is important here to note the comment of Rashbam, um, which I think leads us to a very interesting place. Rashbam, in explaining the story of Muhammad Amalek uh, in Perakid, found at the end of Perakid Zion, uh, comments as follows on the words, Kashayarim Moshe Yado. Kashayarim Moshe Vahamateh, when Moshe lifted up his hands and the Mateh, Vigava Yisrael, Shekain Derech Archei Milchama. Kozman Shorim Haramat Nisim, etc. Rashbam says that the whole story should be understood or can be understood naturalistically. This is the way that, that the um, conductors of war act. Kozman Shorim Haramat Nisim, when they see the raising of their banner. The stick. The reminder of Kriyat Yamsuf for Am Yisrael, the reminder of the hand of God that they saw at Kriyat Yamsuf, is the banner of Am Yisrael. And when their their banner is raised up, they are encouraged and they are victorious. And when their banner is lowered, they become demoralized and they lose the battle. And what Rashbam tells us, and what Rashbam reminds us, is there's a crucial difference between the story of Kriyat Yamsuf and the story of Muhammad Amalek. The story of Kriyat Yamsuf cannot be understood naturalistically. It is obviously meant to be understood as an open miracle, as the kind of absolute interruption by God into the natural order of things, an open miracle where all see that God is fighting openly. Mitzrayim see it, Am Yisrael sees it, everyone sees that Yad Hashem, and it's open and obvious. This, as opposed to the story of Amalek, where the victory in the battle 
can be understood naturalistically as a matter of encouragement of morale. As a matter of fact, Am Yisrael, in fact, fights physically in the story of Muhammad Alek. On a certain plane, um, Rashbam is correct. The victory does occur in a kind of natural fashion. The interference of God, or the intrusion of God, or the miracle of God, is through the people seeing their banner. It's through seeing Moshe up on the mountain, raising up the mateh. They remember what happened at Yamsuf. They see Moshe praying. They pray. They turn to God. It's everything that we who live within the natural world of history associate with the concept of emunah, with belief or being steadfast with God. Some combination of memory and prayer and concentration and symbolism which connects us to God and reminds us that God is with us and that God stands behind the scenes. And that's the right way to understand the story of Muhammad Amalek. It's identical to the story of Kriyat Yamsuf. They're both wars by God. They're both manifestations of the Yad Hashem. But they're very different kinds of manifestations. One is open and one is hidden. One is almost, so to speak, outside of history as we know it, and one is inside of, of history as we know it, where God works within nature through the means of memory and inspiration and tefillah and hidden miracle and like everything we associate with emunah. It is a different kind of emunah, where at Kriyat Yamsuf, emunah, belief, results from open miracles. At Muhammad Amalek, emunah is the means and the essence by which the battle is won on some plane. Now, if all this is correct, and I believe it is, about the story of Muhammad Amalek, we are in position uh, to answer our original question, which was the relationship between the story of Masa'um Riva, um, the first story in Parakid Zion, and Muhammad Amalek, the second story in Parakid Zion. How does Masa'um Riva end? Or why is it called Masa'um Riva? Because B'nai Yisrael questioned, they tested God, and they said, Hayesh Hashem B'kirbeinu Im'ayin, is God amongst us, or is God not amongst us? The only way they knew or could understand or conceptualize God is God of open miracles, God of Yamsuf, God of smiting of the rock. And God behind the scenes was not something they could understand. Um, the connection to God through symbols, through memory, through tefillah, to con- through consciousness of God was not present for them. Exactly what they lacked was consciousness of God. And then immediately what comes afterwards the attack by Amalek, a story that's about that consciousness of God's, of God being Bekerev Ha'am, a story that's about Emunah, connecting through memory and tefillah and symbols, etc. On some plane, maybe, the attack by Amalek is not a punishment, but rather an opportunity. Not an onesh, but a kind of therapy. A means or a moment by which Amishah can begin to cultivate the consciousness that God is with them, even when it's not open, even when he's behind the scenes. It's the very exact same Yad Hashem that saves them as saved them at Yamsuf when it was open and galoy. And perhaps this is the meaning of the Surah Muhammad Amalek, a kind of opportunity, a moment to begin to build and internalize that consciousness of God with them, even behind the scenes.